Welcome to Genuine Life Recovery with me, Jody Stevens. We're here to help you and your loved ones overcome addictions and other addiction-related mental health challenges. In this show, we dive into the physical, emotional, psychological, medical, and spiritual aspects of addiction, mental health, recovery, family dynamics, codependency, and more. Hey friends and welcome to Genuine Life Recovery. I'm Jody Stevens and today we are talking about marijuana, Mary Jane, bud, reefer, weed, pot, grass, dope, ganja, cannabis. Uh, and I'm talking with my new friend, Anjay, Anjay, say your last name. I met, I, I forgot it already and you told me two Tom seconds ago, like literally, <laughs> to, Tom and Shek. Anjay, did I, miss, did, I, did I miss any of the names for marijuana? No, no, did you, I, did you, I get you, them all in there? You were spot on. You were absolutely spot on. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's 20 more that are out there that I haven't heard. So, Anjay, you have been sober. You are sober. You're also the founder of MyLastJoint.com. This is an online recovery community for people quitting and wanting to quit marijuana. So this is cool. I want to talk about that. You wrote mm-hmm. a workbook, The Secrets to Quitting Marijuana, and it's mm-hmm. got a lot of great advice and things like that for people wanting to quit. So excited to have you here. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you for having me, Jody. It's, uh, yeah, the pleasure is, yeah, thank you. So where are you? You're in Europe, right? Yeah, so I'm over in Europe. And I'm in a little island called Palma de Mallorca, where I just recently moved about two weeks ago. But it's a, it's a part of a Balearic island. Uh, I think across the States, you probably know Ibiza which is right next to it. But yeah, Mallorca is kind of like a a smaller island of the Balearic Islands, and it's right in the Mediterranean Sea. And it's part of Spain, actually. So um, that's where I'm at at the moment. And I'm in Palma de Mallorca, which is the capital city. I'm assuming it's just beautiful there. You're just surrounded by ocean. I mean, I would lie if I would say it isn't, but yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. And like like I mentioned earlier, we actually had a dance classes on kind of a... Um, I don't know. I think it's like a castle slash wall, uh, medieval, and we we had oh. a, dan- a dance classes on that platform, and you see the whole kind of a sea and the cathedral and everything, and it's a it, Jody. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, sometimes wow. I gotta like knock and say, you know, I'm here. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Well, you know what? Now I want to come visit. That sounds you wonderful. You should. You absolutely should. And I'll tell you what, I think it's quite a lot of um, uh, American people over here. Actually, if I'm not, mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm correct, I think Barack Obama has been here a few times already. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow! What are the coolest things to do? Like, what's the number one cool thing to I do mean, in your part of the world? Besides, I mean, like again, snorkeling, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the first thing is is you know go, definitely go down to the beach because the 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 water here is clear blue. Um, it's just the right temperature. It's about twenty one uh, degrees, which I think would be about seventy uh, in your um, whatever number you're using over there for the temperature. But yeah, it's Fahrenheit. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Fahrenheit. That's the one. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean. Uh, the, the good thing about Mallorca is you got be like you got this kind of a natural sand beaches, and then you have this kind of a cliff um, cut open beaches, and then you have a, a long mountain region which is beautiful to hike. Um, but then you also have this kind of a small uh, town, medieval kind of a style with with like very narrow streets, kind of a, almost like a italian style but more like kind of a mediterranean style but yeah it's just i mean there's so much to do and honestly this i mean i've been here before i think five or six times just for visit but this time i said you know what let's 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 go and let's do it and i decided to move here and um but yeah it's it's just the first thing i'll probably do is just hit the beach and you know just throw myself into the uh, mediterranean uh, sea and just swim because the water is absolutely beautiful 
Oh, it just sounds wonderful. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and you're you're nine hours ahead. So uh so you just yeah. got back from a night out. So try not yeah, to fall asleep, aren't you? <laughs> no, that's fine, Jody. And you know what? Funnily enough, like I'm still getting used to the kind of a what's the word I'm looking for? Not the timetable. Like Spanish people are on a completely different timing, right? Whereas I mean back home or for example, even in England, like we would have breakfast seven, eight o'clock and then lunch one, two o'clock and then dinner you know, six, seven o'clock here, it's like breakfast, 10 o'clock, lunch, four, five o'clock. And they actually start dinner, like the restaurants, they don't, they don't even start serving dinner before nine o'clock. So the, the time for the dinner is between kind of like nine until 12 or 1230. So it's like, this would be the prime time to go out and have a dinner. Um, so yeah, I'm still kind of getting used to that as well, you know. Oh my gosh! And then there's yeah. the island time. Speaking of, mm-hmm. uh, well, I, I shouldn't liken it to marijuana, but you know, it's like we always <laughs> laugh here in the states about island time. It's like, well, I'll get there when I get there, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> which it was almost like California time because I was there for 17 years, and and you know, I was always on time. But nobody mm-hmm. else was, you know. So <laughs> we just roll in when we roll in, right? You know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And funnily, oh. you say that. I was just um, my girlfriend was just saying to me at the end of the dance classes, somebody was smoking weed, and it was it was it was so funny. It was just like I don't know. It's just random, very random. Like yeah. you know, dance classes in the middle of in the middle of Palma, and then someone comes and yeah, just smokes. But yeah. Oh, it's everywhere now. You know, now that it's legal, mm-hmm. you know, you're up skiing, why ski here? Or just walking down the street and you're like, you just get a whiff. Even when you're driving down the freeway, you're like, you know, you just mm-hmm. get a whiff. Um, mm-hmm. So, but anyway, okay, friends, by the way, please share this show with anybody you know struggling with addiction and other mental health challenges. You can share it on social media. You can listen on iTunes and Spotify and Amazon or your favorite listening app. And then also my website by clicking podcast at jodystevens.org. All right. So, Anjay, you uh, you quit smoking marijuana. Mm-hmm. How long have you been sober then? Two years, two and a half years. So I quit um, in summer of 2020. Okay. Well, congratulations. So let me ask you where you're at. Is it legal there? Um, No. The first country that actually did legalize it last year was Malta, which is another small island. um, And that was, I think, in the summer. But um, as far as recreational um, marijuana is still illegal, even though I will say they're, they're relaxing um, kind of fines. I think actually Portugal is the only country where it's decriminalized but it's not legal if that makes sense um, but as far as the wider Europe goes it's still pretty illegal even though the the actual fines or the actual penalties are, are, are low considering to other kind of a harsher or class A drugs or whatever you want to call it. Do yeah. you feel like they're getting towards legalization where you oh, are? Oh yeah absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. and and Jody I mean I'm, I'm for legalization like there's you know, it's it's in our normal human kind of nature that what we cannot get is what we want in a way. So, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like the, the sooner we get this legalization over, the, the earlier we can start working out, you know, the, the, the longer plan and actually kind of paying more attention to how weed affects us and what happens after considerable amount of smoking weed and that sort of stuff. Because I feel like we, you know, we kind of, missing this train and um in a way and don't take this the wrong way or whoever is listening you guys are doing us a favor <laughs> and it's you know I, sh- sh- I shouldn't say it in that way but it, but it is because like we and funnily enough when i say this a few weeks ago we had um it was called uh european drug winter school which was kind of a sponsored by it was sponsored i had to pay for it but it was actually by european union and we had like different speakers on and um we kind of looked at different policies and the whole the whole focus of the two-week seminar was on the cannabis and you know we kind of looked at different research policies in place and all that in Europe and you know the, the main team was was coming from you know United States and Canada and looking at the models of what is mm-hmm. happening over there and is it was just kind of a like well let's wait what happens over there and then let's do something over here because oh, you know yeah and i mean it's <laughs> kidding, it's but... as, 
it's it's terrible as it sounds and it, i mean it does sound horrible but it, i mean we we have to be honest we don't really have that much research like you know we just kind of I don't know. I almost feel like sometimes with these, with marijuana and the way it goes in state, it's like you gotta kind of let the not the devil out, but you kind of have to let it out and then, you know, figure out as you go along because we we haven't done that before, right? Before it was just a drug, and you know, people were going after the drug, but now it's like you know, it's 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 legal and it's out there, and now we're kind of starting to realize, okay, it has this effect and it can cause this, but it also has this. So sounds like what you're kind of saying is you need to let it out and let it be legal, and then we can figure out how bad it is, kind of. In yes, a way, right? yes, absolutely, yeah. because oh, otherwise yeah. it's, it's it's just gonna be a drug that it's like a drug. But you know, as soon as you yeah. as soon as you make it legal, it's not really a drug anymore, is it? It's something we can talk about. It's something we can. Um, you know, we can we can put things in in place. We can put prevention in place. We can put you know aftercare. That's the treatment center and that sort of thing. Which at the moment, as far as the Europe goes, is not really many. Um, I mean, mm. if there are, they're not kind of special. You know, focused right, on cannabis. Right. So that's that's kind of my logic. You know, because. No, and, and that makes sense. That there's there's a huge debate on legalization. I'm not mm-hmm. really for it, but I don't, you know, I, I struggle back and forth because I look like here in America, alcohol kill well, alcohol worldwide kills more people than any drug besides tobacco, mm-hmm. shockingly mm-hmm. enough. You know, mm-hmm. so then you're like, okay, so if we legalize it, is is it gonna get worse? And what we have here is this massive opioid epidemic, right? Where mm-hmm. just fentanyl mm-hmm. and stuff is just killing people, and I'm sure it's it's hitting you, you know, you guys over there too and so there's there's kind of this thing where it's like okay so you know marijuana is legal here and then the state of Nevada I think on taxes made oh my gosh something like 10 million or billion dollars or something and it's like okay that's cool but what did you spend it on right so it's like did you spend it on treatment or you know because they're always like oh it's gonna go to the schools you know we're gonna legalize drugs and give it all to the kids it's like really you know so um but but I hear you. I'm kind of ambivalent. You know, I feel like if if you're going to legalize drugs, you're you're going to need people to treat all the people that are struggling with addictions. And here in this mm-hmm. country, mm-hmm. they are absolutely mm-hmm. not coming out of school fast enough. Doctors aren't trained. So nobody's trained in addiction and counseling, mm-hmm. but they want to legalize it all. Yeah, you see, that's that's why I'm kind of saying it's it's a horrible way of saying it because honestly, we don't have instrument in place, and we don't have um, not just instrument. We 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 don't have cannabis focused rehabs. That's the first thing. You know, we don't the research on the cannabis is is is. I mean, it's better in over in states than it is over in Europe, but it's still very yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's just very bad. And yeah, that's why I feel like. You know, as soon as you kind of let this happen, then certain things, it's almost like a consequence, right? It's like a reaction Mm -hmm. of of, of what happened. So, but funnily enough, and we did kind of look at the model you're using and the model that Canada is using, and we kind of (laughs) all agreed that it's it's mostly for the money purposes rather than um, any other purposes. But adding to that, we... Uh, made a conclusion, and that's that's something we should we should take in account as well. That legalization did amount to less um, to less money being spent in the health sector. I think it was less money. It was just across that different department. It was less money being spent. But yeah, that again doesn't account the actual reaction and you know the treatment centers and all that. But yeah, anyways, I'm I'm completely for. Um, for legalization, even though I'm coming, you know, I'm, I'm I'm one of those guys that they saying, listen, weed is not always good for you, but um, yeah. Right, right. And, you know, that brings up a good point. I want to get into your story too, but it brings up a good point that just because something's medicinal, just mm-hmm. because something's legal, just because something's good, doesn't mean it's not addicting, right? And I yeah, think we get confused, yeah. you know, like yeah. here with the big fentanyl crisis, it's like, Okay, fentanyl's been used for years and opioids been used for years to treat pain and to help people, but it's highly addicting, right? And it mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. can kill you, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't marijuana can't kill you per se, but you know what I'm saying? So 
you know, just because marijuana may be medicinal and have medicinal purposes doesn't mean it's a wonder drug that can cure everything and doesn't mean that it's not addicting, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of one of the things I have to mention as well is which it does kind of bother me is is the way your model is kind of like legalize is kind of projecting this legalization like first of all i wouldn't call it medicinal uh, marijuana Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like almost um uh, what is it it's almost like tricky in a way like it's it's a pot it's weed it's you know you just yeah it's it's recreational well they do they say recreational and medicinal and they can't figure Mm -hmm. it out like now there's dispensaries all over with big green crosses and you know and you're like what is this yeah yeah (laughs) that's 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 exactly what i'm getting at like if you go to a grocery store you, you go and you buy groceries you don't go to a dispensary to like they call it dispensary for a purpose yeah. like it, it it should be a weed store or like whatever a marijuana store but it's a dispensary so it has a different yeah. connotation to it right that that part of like legalization that's that i don't agree with my guess is that as we get further into this it's going to become more and more like alcohol you know you think about like Should prohibition it? here and Let's... you know alcohol was illegal mm. and then they had it you know in these these uh bars and you know and then mm. it spread mm. to like so like growing up in alaska to get alcohol, you had to go to a liquor store. Then mm-hmm. in Oregon, you could go to, to the grocery store and get beer and wine. Then when mm-hmm. I got to California, it just hard liquor right there in the grocery store. You know, mm-hmm. so it'd be interesting to see if marijuana kind of progresses like that to where pretty soon it's I'm, just just wherever, right, all I over mean, the place. I don't even doubt it for a second that it will be. I mean, let's be honest, it is already pretty much like... Over in states, like, I mean, even here, or let's put it a different way, like the, the way majority of the people consider marijuana is is not the same way they consider, for example, heroin or cocaine or like, you know, harder drugs. Like marijuana right. is still this kind of a drug that it's like, oh, yeah, you know, let's have a joint and let's relax. And, you know, it's it, it's not really considered a drug, right? The trouble yeah. is that marijuana is not the same as it used to be. That's That's kind of a... You know, that's kind of like this two part of a story, whereas it's like the THC levels nowadays like are not the same they used to be like 20, 30 years ago. And, you mm-hmm. know, the marijuana is not grown the same way. It's not produced the same way. So that's kind of where, you know, you have this double sided sword, I guess. Right. Kind of like, hey, now we're going to make 90 proof liquor, 180 proof. You know, <laughs> pretty soon yeah. it's like, hey, yeah. this marijuana yeah. is like, you know, because what, so growing up in Alaska, they had, you know, they, I, I don't want to swear, but they called it Matanuska Thunder and you get the other word, F-U-C, you know, and it was all these yeah. different, you know, and oh, and it's got red hairs in it and, you know, and all that <laughs> stuff. And I mean, of course, back, <laughs> back then I would have, I would have been so excited about legalization back then, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, you're, right it's it's a lot stronger someone mm-hmm. here a 16 year old smoked someone had fentanyl in it and she od'd she died you know and so now mm-hmm. you've got that kind of worry where mm-hmm. we're getting it laced with other things which has always yeah. happened right it was just mm-hmm. it was cocaine then we're now fentanyl that's really scary you know so tell me your story of addiction and recovery kind of where you know just like if you were at, at a meeting kind of this idea of you know mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. were you then uh, what happened when you kind of had that wake-up call where like wow this just isn't working for me anymore I think I need to change my life and 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 yeah, then man. what brought you into recovery into what you're doing now I mean, so I, I guess kind of to, to, to kind of make the narrative and to kind of get the story into kind of, you know, uh, into the right place. It all kind of started when I moved to England and, you know, it, that was around, I left high school and then I went to, I went to uni, which I kind of didn't like. So I stayed there for a month and a half and then I quit. I gave up. I said, okay, this is not for me. I want to do something else. And then I went to work. Uh, it was just like a help desk kind of an IT help desk kind of a thing. And I was doing this for probably nine months. And I said, you know what? I'm a little bit young. I want to go travel. And then I actually went traveling to Yellowstone National Park, which is in... Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I know where it is. Monta- I've been Montana there. and Wyoming, right? Yeah. It's in a couple <laughs> different states. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's neighbors. Yeah, actually. I think it's the oh. Idaho as well. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so after that, I kind of, I finished there. I was there for three months. 
I came back home and I was actually at a summer school in England four years ago for like two weeks. And I really like, I don't know, there's just something that really attracted me about England. I think it was the train. The train came on the station and there was like this little mm. metal platform came underneath and there was a voice on the on the speaker, mind the gap. And I was like, damn, that's, that's really clever. Like I have to live here someday. Like, you know, I want to be in this yeah. like kind of a advanced <laughs> environment. So anyways, I moved to England and that's where I kind of started my second almost childhood because I was 20 years old in England by myself. Like I didn't have a job at this time. So it's pretty much just moved there and started a new life. And um, yeah, I started working and started meeting people. And then I think about probably when I was 22, 23, I started smoking and it started kind of very like social thing, you know, just with a friend, just like having fun, laughing, like just no worries whatsoever. And then I kind of started working a little bit more that's when I kind of increased it as well. But at this point, it was still kind of a, you know, social thing with a friend in the evening. And then I remember, I think it was like 2014. And it was one day, it was just really hot and we were down at the beach. And I started smoking during the day. At this point, it was just still social. But I kind of already moved my barrier because I always had these kind of little barriers in my head. I was saying, okay, I'm never going to smoke during the day. I'm never going right. to smoke by myself. Um um, you know, I'm never going to, I don't know, smoke before work or whatever. I had this kind of a barrier. So I removed that barrier. And, and I remember that day so well, because I was just like, I think it was like 11 o'clock and I was just spaced out like on the beach. And yeah, I didn't really enjoy it anyways. But yeah, so then it kind of became a daily thing. And then I don't know how it switched really to me smoking by myself, but I guess it was, it was at the time when my friend moved away and I kind of you know, continued the habits. And that's when I started smoking by myself in the evening. And yeah, and that increased. And then I think it was just me working and smoking, you know, like going to work from nine to six and then smoking in the evening and then weekends out, I would be high. And then going forward, I went self-employed around 2015, 2016. And that's when I really picked up the habit because I was kind of my own boss. I could work whenever mm -hmm. I wanted. And, you know, that's, that's, one of the biggest traps but if you're doing drugs you know um yeah, <laughs> yeah. because it's like you know it, it's it's almost like okay well i can i don't know i can survive with 400 500 pounds per week and still be high pretty much you know five days or whatever six days and you know sooner or later you work only one day per week and you're high from monday to friday or whatever and yeah it just kind of it got completely out of control I don't really know at what point it kind of, I mean, I had this little like non-notification. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. I had these little warnings, these little bells, you know, at the back of my head, yeah. like, okay, this is going too far. I remember, I think once I threw up, which I never did, like once I think my friend said to me, listen, you've, you've, you've been away for like a month. Like where, where have you been? Like what you've been doing? Like, and then I think it was in around probably 2016 2017 when i realized like how how severe it got because you know i would talk with my family once per month maybe and that would be like two three up two three minutes um like i wouldn't have any friends the friends i would have i would maybe text like once per month so yeah it was just me and myself in that little cave that i made there and just you know smoking the days away and um i realized like i like i cannot even hold a day without a weed and, mm. you know, that's that's when I kind of drew the line and I said, okay, listen, I overcame some things before and I think I can do this, but it's going to be a hard one, but I have to at least try it. And yeah, it took me a few years and, you know, I think the first kind of a, like a glimpse of a lighter God is when I went to back home for like a month. I never like really smoked back home in Slovenia. I came back home and at that point I was actually planning to go back home just to kind of change and scenario and environment and everything and, you know, just get off it. And I didn't have any problems whatsoever. I remember I wasn't smoking for four weeks. Um, actually, I'm lying. I had one night with my kind of a family member, which I'm not going to name. So, but anyways, and yeah, that, that was the only night, but I didn't like crave it and the withdrawals wasn't even there. So yeah, that kind of a gave me a glimpse of light and then I came back to England and I think I picked up the habits after two weeks and I was right back into it and then the first kind of a serious attempt I had to think kind of a 2018 
and I made it, uh, sorry, it was 2018, end of 2000. Um, yeah, I'm kind of mixing the years here. Sorry, but that's, that's, that's another that's thing right. that, weed, <laughs> that weed makes it. But um, yeah, so the first kind of attempt I had was six months, which happened in actually in the summer of 2019. Yeah, that's right. And I had this absolutely weird fight with my solicitor. And I don't like to this day, I still don't know what I was thinking. But yeah, I had an argument with my solicitor. And the funniest thing is he was my solicitor. Like we should be on the same side. But we started arguing. I just left and I came back home and it was a really sunny day. Um, Bournemouth, which is kind of a um, seaside town. So you can imagine the scene. And that was always kind of a trigger for me. You know, this like that yeah. that's so, sort of an environment. And at that point, I was six months sober. I said, you know what? I think I can have one joint. And yeah, next day I was right back into it. Like it never happened. And I kept smoking until the summer of 2020. I think it was about April. And that's when I decided, listen, Andrzej, you've been you've been having this on and off and on and off and all this nonsense. It's, it's time you leave it behind. Like, you know, you had your badge. You did what you could. Like you threw away some years. You had some good time as well, but it's time to move on. And then... The pandemic kind of hit hard and I was yeah. doing a few other projects. Um, and last year, towards the end of the year, I kind of finished the other projects. And I said, you know what? Like, I've been self-employed for about five, six years and I had some success. But all, all the things that I was doing, they never, they never really kind of mattered. You know, it, it's just, I don't know, it's just different with this project. It's just like it feels so much. I don't know. I just can relate to it so much and it gets me going every day. So... Um, yeah, anyways, I decided end of last year that I want to start like an online community. And that's how the whole idea of mylastjoin.com came around. That's a, a great story. And the reason I say it's great is for people that feel like marijuana isn't addicting. So in the recovery world, you would have what's called a um, uh, you know, substance use disorder or cannabis use mm -hmm. disorder, mm -hmm. you know, just like alcohol use disorder. That's what they call it now here in what's called the DSM, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the psychological manual for, for mm -hmm. you know, mental mm -hmm. issues and things like that. But, but everything that you talked about is the same for other addictions, just like alcohol, just like opioids, just like everything mm -hmm. where, mm -hmm. where we've got these deals with ourselves, right? So mm -hmm, for me, mm -hmm. oh, I'm never going to drink during the day until I drank during the day. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to mm -hmm. drink and drive until I drink and drive. And so you had that same kind of thing where you're making these bargains with yourself that you keep breaking. You see your your quality of life begins to deteriorate, yet you're still using. You mm -hmm. see where one of the main things with addiction, you know, to determine, hey, you know, do you have an addiction is try some, we always say, hey, try some controlled drinking, try some yeah. controlled using, <laughs> yeah. and then get back to me and see how it goes, right? Yeah, and I so here you are, you're like, well, I'll just have a joint and it'll be fine. And then pretty soon it's 10 a day, right? Yeah, but it's 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 kind of funny you mentioned that. And, you know, honestly, back Back then, I was never thinking about that, Jody. Like, you know, it's it's really hard to do this. It's like hard to go out of your almost like a, you have to almost like take take this spectator view, like look at your life from yes. the outside and look what's happening. Yeah. But it's hard. It's uh, it's so hard when you're like smoking every day because you don't see this. Like, you know, I I did this kind of a review. The whole progress started, I think, when I was um, putting my episode on the podcast, like just sharing my story. It's when you're there smoking every day, you don't see those things. Like you don't see that you mm -hmm. barely talk to your family. You don't see that you like you are, you are completely antisocial and that your anxiety is like over the roof. That you cannot even go to the shop or like stuff like that. You know, just don't ignore the signs, I guess, because the signs are there. And, they, you know, sooner or later, they it's like it, it gets worse and worse. So, well, and did you end up reaching out for help? Because that's. <laughs> One of the most I, important things, because like, right, if you're in an addiction, chances are the few people you do hang out with are in an addiction too. So it all seems very normal until mm -hmm. someone comes along and says, "Yeah, no, see," because I was like you, I was smoking weed four or five times a day. I was mainly an alcoholic, but I just used mm -hmm. weed because you know everybody else did. And you know, it's not until you kind of step away from those groups of people that you realize, oh, this isn't actually normal. Yeah, I don't. You see, this is this is the only thing that I never did, and I kind of regret it. But in in a way, I feel like I don't know. It's you know, it's almost like you 
it's a regret, but it's an advantage in a way, even though mm-hmm. it's not a big advantage. But no, I, Jody, I never reached out to, to, to get help. And I think it was almost due to fear. It, it was definitely due yeah. to fear. But yeah, I never, I mean, honestly, just, you know, just talking about it now, I'm, I'm, I'm much more open. But yeah, back then, and it's almost like I feel like stoners are kind of like we are very, I still kind of identify as a stoner, even though I'm not, but, you know, just in a way to kind of like, very secretive people right we have this kind of uh i don't know it's just like you, you don't you're not gonna let other people know how how much you smoke and how many times you high right but you do need help in a way but you don't want to seek help so um now unfortunately that's the one thing i never did and i guess that's why it took me probably four years to to get off it and so what was the process like for you getting off of it? It was just trial and error, Jody. That's all what it was. It's like, you know, it's it's like I talk about these stages at the community mm-hmm. or like with different people. It's like you have this idea that you want to get off it, right? But you don't you don't really know at what point you are. So, you know, the first step is like you kind of have to realize that at what point you are. And not only yeah. you have to realize it, you have to accept that you are at that point because like saying that you want to change is one thing, but actually admitting that you are at at really bad point and that you need to go to the better point is another thing and so yeah it was just it was just this kind of a slow process scenario where i was realizing like okay i cannot even go out to the party and say hello to the people because i'm so anxious or if i'm sober or you know i i'm always thinking about weed and then you know okay i cannot even be one weekend sober and stuff like that so it was kind of like these small scenarios and then I don't know, I had a stage when I was trying to not smoke in the morning and then I would just make up in the evening. Like, I would mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm not going to smoke until five o'clock. But then all the while we'd be doing is like just waiting until five o'clock and then I would get absolutely sky high from five to like evening. So I would make up for whatever I didn't smoke during the day. Yeah, it's 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 almost like these stages that you have to go through. And then the thing that happened in 2019 when I was sober for six months and then I had this one joint, like that was another kind of a realization. Like, no, like you learned that behavior. You cannot unlearn it. It's like in you, like this, this is not mm-hmm. going to work. It's not like, you know, you switch it on and you switch it off. That's not how it works. So yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's almost like a trial and error. But I guess one of the most important things and, I rarely say that, but, you know, seeing that you kind of have your podcast's addiction team is like you you have to break down any beliefs that you have. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And I rarely see this in addiction programs, but it's like, you know, if you do, if you put down the pros and cons list to why you want to smoke weed, it's like everybody kind of a focus on cons like, like, well, I want to quit weed because of that. I want to quit weed because of that. But really, you should focus on the pro like why you want to use weed like Mm -hmm. because that's what keeps you going like if you want to use weed to relax then you have to think like do you really relax and you know that's kind of i think the 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 key to kind of a success almost because like once i feel like once you crush those false beliefs that you have and those sometimes might be even subconscious um then you kind of get to the bottom of this and that's where i that's where i am now and I know weed is out there. I don't like even now, like I was probably five meters away from the guy and it, and it didn't bother me whatsoever. But for my life, for my for my purpose, for what I want to do, weed doesn't help me in any way. And that's my relationship to weed. And mm-hmm. um, I had a time back when I was still heavy smoking. Oh, I needed, I needed to relax. Oh, I had a heavy day. I need to just have one joint or um, I'm, more, I'm more talkative when I have weed or like, you know, stuff like that. But you really, you have to go, you have to write this thing down and then you have to crush them because no, I mean, almost 99% they're false beliefs that you have. And, you know, one of those like false beliefs, it, it helps with anxiety. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love how you, you touched on actually something that's that's actually very therapeutic, which is what are you getting from it? It's kind of like a cognitive behavioral technique that they use where it's like, like you were saying, okay, so so what, so what why do you like to drink? Why do you like to smoke weed? What is mm-hmm, it doing mm-hmm. for you? And then you break that down. And then mm-hmm. you also look at the, the cons. And so I, I agree with you that looking at what we're getting from it is very important because mm-hmm. it's good to look at that. You know, what are you mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. from this? And mm-hmm. and then when you can break it down and then look at, then you look at what do you want 
your future to be? Like, what what do you want out of life, right? And then mm-hmm. how is this, you know, kind of, how is this helping you? Yeah, <laughs> and how yeah, is no, it blocking mm-hmm. you, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. those are those are really important things. Um, and then you were also talking about the, the timetable. And I think that's really, really important, especially people that struggle with addiction, struggle with shame, you know, because it does take time. There is... Mm-hmm. There is relapses. I mean, for me with mm-hmm. alcohol, I tried to quit for five years, you know, and I and mm-hmm. I did. And mm-hmm. it's been 16 mm-hmm. years, but it took five years. And so mm-hmm. you have some people that are, oh, you've got to abstain. You know, it's all abstinence. And, and, you know, I used to kind of be that way, too. Like, I can't work with you. You're not ready. You know, but the reality is that it takes time. We have there's these mm-hmm. stages of change that they talk about where we're, you know, mm-hmm. it's called, mm-hmm. you know, pre-contemplative where we're like, we think maybe you know we don't even know we have a problem. Then we realize we have a problem. Then we're then we're working towards the change. And I think like for for what you were doing, you you recognized it, and then through those few years, you started to make these positive changes, even though yeah. you weren't totally successful. They were mm-hmm. still positive changes towards recovery. And mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. like to. Um, reiterate that because I think that's so important that we're never going to arrive <laughs> mm-hmm, on this mm-hmm. you know side of the earth, but at least right you were making the positive changes, and with every positive change, you were able to look back when when you did slip or when you did mess up, right? And mm-hmm, then you were like, yeah. oh man, I I it, it. In other words, I think what I'm trying to say is there's just a lot that we can learn when yeah, we relapse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why that's why I always say to people like, because I don't know. I feel like almost. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's it's in other kind of addiction communities. The same uh, topic always comes up. But like in in weed community, there's always this thing. Okay, I just need to quit weed, and then my life is gonna be miraculously like salted. You know, like everything is gonna mm-hmm. be fine. I just need to quit weed. But it's a, it's a nonsense. Like you know, quitting weed shouldn't be a challenge. It's a journey, and it's just. It's just removing. It's not. It's not really like you know quitting. It's first is removing, and then actually realizing what is behind that. You know what is actually gearing and driving this whole thing, and and figuring that one out. But yeah, it's it's a journey. It's definitely not a challenge, and that's that's. I think I feel like this almost. You kind of realize like after a year or two, like you know you cannot. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like you you start and then like a few months in, it's like okay. I'm sober now for 60 days or I'm sober now for 19 days. What now? Like my life is still not sorted. Well, yeah, it's, it's not going to be sorted. Like quitting weed is just, it's just one of the things like this. Well, and I don't know if this was true for you, but a lot of people with addictions and weed being one of them have what's called underlying disorders. So there's a high rate of people that use weed that have some mental health issues, could be depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety, schizophrenia Mm -hmm. is is Mm -hmm. high in that area too, bipolar, you know, things like that. I mean, for me, I was Mm -hmm. self-medicating with marijuana and alcohol, my anxiety Mm -hmm. disorder. And of course, you know, one time when I was in college, I smoked a couple of huge bong hits and had a massive panic attack, massive Mm -hmm. panic attack. So, you know, what you were saying about, oh, it's, it, 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 one of the things with marijuana that people don't understand is it's, it's kind of, it's like a psychotropic or psychedelic. In other words, that it, it actually, and a lot of drugs do this, they work on your current state of mind. So if you're feeling good, mm-hmm. it's going to make you feel better. If you're feeling bad, it can actually make things worse. Or if you're anxious, yeah. it can actually yeah. spurn like a panic attack. And then yeah. our brain begins to adapt. So like if I'm constantly using weed or alcohol, it's those um, receptors in your brain. What happens is they stop mm-hmm. firing because they're mm-hmm. like, well, why do I need to do this? Because this person's filling me with all these chemicals that I need. And then yeah. when we stop, all of a sudden, you know, we're not producing the chemicals mm-hmm. that we need until our brain adjusts. And so you realize that a lot of times what we're using to treat an underlying problem is actually making it worse mm-hmm. in the long mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. for you, like, did you, once you removed the weed and really started to kind of reflect on your use, did you realize that you had maybe some depression or anxiety or something that looking back, you may have been trying to treat? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm still kind of in this process, Jody, to be honest, and I it's got, it's definitely got to do something with the childhood, and I don't. Yeah. I never was really that much in. I mean, the depression was never really. Uh, and I don't know. I shouldn't say that my thing, but um, you know, I, I I get bored sometimes. Even though last few years, that's very very. Uh, I mean, since I stopped smoking, that's very um, unusual. But anxiety, it's kind of it kind of pops out. But again, yeah. since I quit, it's very. It it doesn't happen that often unless it's uh, it's something I've never done before and it's completely out of my comfortable zone, which I think it's normal anyways. Um, but yeah. I think it had it probably had to do with my childhood or perhaps later on, perhaps something to do with my parents divorcing or you know it, I'm still I'm mm-hmm. still kind of processing that whole thing and um, but yeah, there's definitely and you know for anyone that is thinking well I'm just I'm just abusing weed. I mean, you know, there's abusing weed and then there is like abusing, abusing weed. And you, you said it very well, like self-medicating, you, you're doing yeah. it for a reason. And, you know, that's that's why, again, it's it's a journey. Like you first you remove the weed and then you go to the to the root, to the bottom of it. And that's I feel like that's almost 10 times harder than, than quitting the drug itself. But yeah, that's that's where I am now. That's where I'm kind of like going through this process. Yeah, it, that's so true because we always think if we if we quit, life will get better. But a lot of times it gets a little rougher first, and mm-hmm. then things do get better. The yeah. joke in recovery is the quality of your problems goes up. Like like you have a better quality <laughs> yeah. of problems, you know. And so that's like I like one. to tell pe- people like it's gonna suck really at first. It is gonna suck, yeah. but it's okay. Yeah. It, you know, and it, and it yeah. will get better. It's it's just it, it's a process, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk yeah. about in your your book about the secrets to quitting marijuana. So what are oh, yeah. what are just a few of those that you can share with us from your book and how did they work for you? I mean, so so pretty much what I did is I went through kind of a, because I have a podcast and I think it's about 30, 32 episodes now. And then mm-hmm. offline, I've talked probably to another 30 people and then I'm quite active in 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 communities as well and especially for example our leaves community which is on reddit so what I did is I kind of I had this information or kind of a like um, almost like experience I would say um, from these people and then I went through the books that are already out there like um, I don't know quitting weed guide and then um, how to quit cannabis the easy way the Alan card the, the famous you know kind of a, uh-huh. um, the person and I went through kind of a all different frameworks and I I wanted to to make a book where it's like very easy very kind of a short but still kind of an interactive book not a book you read but a book that you actually have to fill out and that's why I called it workbook and it's a 10 chapter workbook and it kind of takes you from this almost from this kind of a like you are where you are, whether you're, you're smoking heavily, you're just smoking to the point where it's like, you can quit if you want. Like I even say at the beginning of the book, don't don't quit the first chapter, just go through the chapters and quit mm-hmm. at your own pace. But uh, in a way, I pretty much just kind of uh, try to show to the reader what is actually happening, like how much weed are you actually using? What are you using for? Yeah, just this. I don't want to. I don't want to reveal too much because it's a very tiny book and it's only twenty pages. I, it's like there's only so many things I could talk about, Jody. But um, yeah, yeah it, it pretty much kind of just gives gives all the lessons I've got from other people I've seen in other books and obviously my own experience. But yeah, that is one of them. That you know, it's it's not a challenge. It's a journey. And then this pros and cons list is another one of them. And then it's replacing replacing the habit which i think everyone does wrong when they first started quitting is like okay i'm not going to smoke but like you cannot just delete the habit like you cannot delete the addiction you have to replace it and then perhaps later on figure out the route but i always say this like you cannot not smoke you cannot go on the couch and stare in the sky and hope you're not going to cave in that doesn't work like you have to replace it with something right yeah that that one is so important because mm-hmm. you're you know you're mm-hmm. absolutely right it's like well what what are you going to do instead you know that's that's <laughs> yeah. huge and then yeah. what happens is you start to build up what they call like the sober equity where pretty soon you look back and you think if i'm if i was using today the way i was then i would never be able to accomplish what I've accomplished today. And so the longer you go without and you start building 
up all these things that you've built, whether it's a job or a career or a book or whatever, makes it harder mm-hmm. and harder and harder to go back. But you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. You, you've got to have something to replace it with. It's like, and it's not, it's, I liken it too to, to boundaries. Like if you're trying to have strong boundaries against bad people and yet you have no good people to lean on, you can't do it, right? Because yeah. you're just going to let those bad people <laughs> yeah, in because exactly. we're just wired for connection yeah. like that, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, true. Mm-hmm. so yeah. tell me about your online community and how people can connect with that. Yeah, so I pretty much, I mean, this is kind of a new thing. And, you know, I was looking at different ways I want to take this My Last Joint project. And I I think that was about January, February, when I was kind of got caught up with the whole technology thing. And then I said, you know what, at the end of the day, I really just want to help people. Like, I don't want to be the next, you know, Mark Zuckerberg of weed addiction or whatever. And (laughs) I said, okay, I'm just going to open a community. And that's what I did. Um, End of April, I opened a community. Um, So, yeah, it's just... I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's a community for anyone that wants to quit marijuana. Now, I do kind of say it, even though I don't. I think I wrote it in the book, but I don't think I put it in the community. I, I am geared, or the community is for anyone that wants to quit. It's not for people that want to take a break or for people that want to kind of cut down. Um, there's other communities out there, if anyone is listening. One of them, I think it's um, uh, PTOs on Reddit. Um, but yeah, if you Google it, there's other communities out there. But anyways, yeah, so my kind of a uh, focus is on the people that do want to quit. And yeah, just go to mylastjoin.com, uh, click the link there, and you'll get a free trial, and then you can join. Um, I don't know where your podcast is going out, but if you manage to hear that before the 5th of June, you can also join it as a founding member and get a lifetime access, which is kind of uh, the thing I'm doing first for you weeks just to kind of get the community off the ground but um yeah the community is kind of at the core of my last joint because um again talking to all these people and you know being active in the community i realized that one thing that kind of determines whether someone successfully quits is the support they get and i feel like almost in this time that we are now and with the pandemic and everything and kind of isolation and you know um, all that I, I wanted to make like this community that you can go to talk to have people have friends and I'm planning to do daily meetings as well going forward so just kind of a support that I feel like addicts need um, but not just addicts just anyone that is abusing marijuana or anyone that feels like um, is, is going out of control and, and you know they, they need help or they want to quit yeah, the support is so important. Mylastjoint.com. Okay, friends, go there, check it out. Anche, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for sharing all this valuable information. Do you have any kind of last words or, or advice for people maybe listening that are thinking that they want to quit? What I always say is my my project is kind of geared towards people that are at this stage where weed is obviously affecting them or at this stage when they're kind of thinking okay am i smoking too much or not um like if you're a casual smoker and you know you're not affected by weed then you know perhaps it's not the time to quit like uh, there's even i think there's even a statistic like like almost 10 uh, percent of weed smokers do end up getting addicted so that's that's kind of my, my 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 project geared towards but um, the last words I have is, yeah, go go check out mylastjoint.com and um, we we'll, also do a podcast. But uh, I really wanted to thank you, Jody, because I kind of randomly found your name on, I think it was Matchmaker, if I'm if I'm correct. And I'm so yeah. glad that I did. And um, yeah, you, you're a tremendous host. And um, I know we kind of came really fast this whole um, we managed to like put this together really fast, but um, yeah, I'm so glad you 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 let me share my voice, and um, I hope perhaps in the future I can return the favor. But um... yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and thank you, thank you too. It was su- super fun. I joined that little Matchmaker FM, which for those that run podcasts, it connects podcasters, and you know we like to feature each other on our shows, and it's it's great mm-hmm. for stories and of course marketing, and you know to get more and more people listening, right? Because that's mm-hmm. you know you got to get people listening and stuff absolutely. like that. So um, 
But yeah, yeah, it was great to have you on. And and um, if you ever need me on any of your things, let me know. I'm, I'm working on my second master's. This one's addiction counseling, so I'm working towards my license. And so, okay. Um, so yeah, just just you know, so I've got kind of a the I, I have the personal, but then the clinical you know, side nice. of it as well. It's okay. been interesting to learn the clinical after having the personal, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. 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 Did so, you, can I, can I ask you, Jody, was that like, was that like kind of a consequence or was that always like in your plan? What, what's that quitting? The, the, no, the, the going the clinical way, the doing the master for the. No, it was not in my plan at all. I was a DJ for 30 years. Oh, really? I did, okay. uh, yeah, I, I did that. every format. I did I morning drive. Um, uh-huh. I was uh-huh. on, ro- I mean, I did every format. I, my most recent was with a huge company, Salem Media Group, and uh-huh. I hosted a morning uh-huh. morning show in California. But I got sober um, in t- 2004 mm-hmm. and met my husband, and he had been sober a couple years, and I had just gotten sober. But mm-hmm. and I lost my brother. He actually died. My dad found him dead in an Oxford house. Okay. I mean, it was so we mm-hmm. went twenty years of crazy with his alcohol addiction, and he died. Mm-hmm. And so, and then grandpa addict, uncle. I mean, it was just rampant in our family. And so, mm-hmm. so when I was on the radio, I kind of had this this ministry that I did where I, I wrote devotions and I, I like I had a, had a recovery blog and stuff. And mm-hmm, then COVID mm-hmm. came and we got more pay cuts and I just, I resigned. I was morning drive. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. producing all the commercials, production director, the whole mess, but I had my home studio. So at the end of COVID, we were doing my morning show out of my house. And I really mm-hmm, kind of enjoyed mm-hmm. that, you know, working from home. Yeah, so yeah, after that, yeah. I quit and we moved to Reno, Nevada, which is where we are now and I mm-hmm. and I started this recovery podcast and then I I looked into getting I have a, a master's in leadership and then I I thought I was done with school forever and ever and then I kind of looked into you know people kept saying well you should get your because I you know I started this podcast on just mental mm-hmm. health and people kept saying mm-hmm. you should get your Kate what they call addiction counselors here is a KDAC they're like you should mm-hmm. get your KDAC mm-hmm. Well, it made more sense for me to just get another master's degree because then I could get a clinical license and then I could mm-hmm. go into um, – like I could open up a therapy place if I wanted. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's what happened. And then I ended up getting a job for a, a heroin addiction center. So I do a podcast for them too. But that's more like heroin addiction, fentanyl, um, uh-huh, medication-assisted uh-huh. treatment and, and methadone and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so, yeah. So, but no, I didn't plan on becoming a counselor. And I may just end Listen. up continuing doing the media stuff. I don't know. But I mean, you know, so, Listen, but yeah. That's that's awesome. I mean, you know, if you, I feel like almost if you find kind of a middle ground between between what you used to do and what you're kind of gearing towards yeah. it would be amazing because yeah it's uh, we definitely need more people in, in in that sort of environment and you know with the way the world is going and and the way we we kind of this whole you know I, I almost feel like even though i did say i'm open for legalization I almost feel like we sometimes it's like it's going a little bit too fast you know like <laughs> You know, yeah, just, yeah. It's like you know, we we started with alcohol. Now with the cannabis, we're already talking about mushrooms. Like uh, apparently, even the ketamine can be good in in some kind of a um, what is it? Some I don't know. I feel like um, forgot the word. It's just some. Um, well, <sighs> in in Oregon, where my folks mm-hmm. live in Oregon, they legalized everything. I mean, everything's mm-hmm. all drugs. And so it's like, yeah. okay, fine, you're going to legalize heroin. What are you going to do? Yeah. Do you have a plan? I yeah. mean, it's just, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, do you have a plan to, to help with this? Because yeah. so, but here, back here in the 90s and 2000s, we had this huge uh, opioid crisis with this drug called oxy oxycotton mm-hmm. i don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of it yeah, and yeah, so course, yeah. yeah so everybody's if you've seen dope sick go watch dope sick on hulu oh my gosh and it'll explain okay. what happened and uh-huh. so they the medical community well it, it was actually this company called purdue pharma and they decided that 
that we should make pain the fifth vital sign. So that means, so that's why when when you go to a doctor, at least here they go, well, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your pain? Because they want to see... You know, and it's like it, they they want to make it like just like it's your heartbeat or your pulse. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and and I like how one doctor put it. He said, you know, nobody's ever died of pain, but they do die of addiction, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so exactly. so what happened yeah. is people would were coming in and they were getting this stuff for pain, and this 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 really corrupt pharmaceutical company kept making these stronger and stronger pills, and then they lied to the FDA about the. Um, uh-huh. The blood out the blood scale how it how it gets into your blood, and so um, a friend of mine almost died actually of okay. from literally taking this crap as prescribed, and okay. so what ended up happening is this huge epidemic occurred. You know, it's like it was like the first wave of the opioid epidemic, and people were mm-hmm. ODing through prescriptions, but it was through because they were in pain. So it was the people that were in pain. And then the people Mm -hmm. that were addicted Mm -hmm. that didn't necessarily have the pain couldn't afford it. They switched to heroin. So Mm -hmm. a lot of Mm -hmm. heroin addicts start with these addiction with with pills that were prescribed. And so um, so that's kind of what sort of the whole process of that. And so so then a lot of people that were hooked on oxy and these other opioids switched to street heroin and so mm-hmm. it was just crazy it was a crazy yeah. mess they're they're getting better with their prescription habits <laughs> mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know you see stuff like that going on and and uh, yeah. it's just it's it's here it's like just a five alarm mess. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. a friggin' mm-hmm. mess is really what it is. And they can't get enough people. I mean, you look at like the ads for addiction counselors and they're like they're they're offering bonuses. They're I mean, yeah. and yeah. they're yeah. not and yeah. doctors aren't trained either. So doctors mm-hmm. don't get trained in yeah. addiction. So they don't understand the brain and the you know, they just think that that addicts are bad people. And it's like, yeah. well, actually, yeah. Yeah. This changes your brain. It's it becomes like a disease. Like with my brother, he would have seizures, and mm-hmm. he was into the disease phase, almost like a diabetic, where there was no going mm-hmm. back without serious, you know, medication and psychotherapy. And anyway, I'm going on and on and on. But no, no, no that's fine. But yeah, I don't. I almost feel like it's not only doctors. You know, I almost feel like addiction is is, is very stigmatized nowadays, and and that's another it reason is. why why I'm always happy to talk to anyone, especially go on the podcast like like you do, because I feel like we have to talk more about this, and we have to mm, keep yes. pushing it and and letting people say, listen, you know, it's not it's not the end of the day. Like, okay, yes, you do yeah. have an addiction, but you weren't born with addiction. It's 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 a thing that you you know you can't fix. If it, if it is to the point where it's still fixable, but um, yeah, you know, yeah, and we're mm-hmm. yeah, Sorry, reducing the stigma is huge, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I that's why it's great what you're doing because sounds like it's a little more stigmatized over where you are, you know, it's getting a little bit better here, but but there's still that, you know, and and it's just, I mean, everybody's got something. That's how I look mm-hmm. at it. Everybody's got yeah, an issue. I yeah, mean, exactly. you know, there's rageaholics, there's, you know, foodaholics, there's, there's, you know, people that can't control their lust and their jealousy and their money and yeah. their, you know, and it's yeah. like, so if yeah. you have an addiction and most addicts are just like the, the most, um, interesting, smart, dynamic, yeah. uh, creative people in the world, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, they're, mm-hmm. they're just, they're deep and they're complex. Right. Yeah. And when you're, when yeah. you're complex, it's hard and even to figure yourself out. And so you, that's yeah, exactly. part of the reason we're using is because <laughs> I'm like, I, we can't even handle our own, uh, you know, yeah. emotions and complexities. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. I, I love addicts, sober addicts, because we're, I think we're some of the most interesting people out there, uh, you know? Yeah, you, you know what, you, you, you're, abso- <laughs> you're absolutely right, Jody. Like, that's, I was thinking like last few weeks, because I kind of started in beginning of April being a guest on the other shows. And I was thinking, why I always have this good feeling when I like finish podcasts and like I talk and I always like, it's almost like I have friends, but I never like kind of open up and talk like stuff like that that I do on the podcast. Yeah. And I, I feel like almost is like we have this kind of a, 
secret like telepathic connection that is like this like fires back and forth and it's like the conversation mm-hmm. just keeps going isn't it it's like it's great yeah, yeah. it's the connect yeah. it's well it's the human connection and connection yeah. releases dopamine yeah. and dopamine's yeah. what drugs do and so that's why when people take drugs it's like a big hug for mom you know and that's what's <laughs> yeah. missing that's you know yeah. the root is yeah. connection and so that's why when we use we isolate which is the opposite of healing so that's yeah. Yeah. you know exactly. and and so you know, connection is what connection is what heals us, and that's just how we're wired. Which is frustrating mm-hmm. sometimes because I'm, you know, I'm more of an introvert. I'm like, why is it like that? But it that's just how we're wired, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, all right, my friend. Well, thanks for hanging out. I, I'll look for you on Facebook. Listen, thanks so much for this again, and yeah, really had fun. I did too, Anjay. It was so much fun to chat with you, to talk about recovery from across the miles in Europe. Thanks for hanging out again. Enjoy the water. And thanks so much, friends, for listening too. Be sure and check out Anjay's community, mylastjoint.com, or spread the message to anybody you know that wants to quit marijuana. And please share this show with anybody you know struggling with addictions, codependency, and other mental health challenges. You can listen to this show, Genuine Life Recovery. It's on iTunes and Spotify and TuneIn and Amazon and most listening apps. And also just by clicking podcasts on my website, which is jodystevens.org, J-O-D-I-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S, jodystevens.org. Thanks again, friends, for listening, and we will talk to you next time.